Welcome to the What's Good Dough podcast and get ready to level up. But before we continue with the show, I want to introduce you to my two show sponsors, Uni Pizza Ovens and Cordo Olive Oil. Let's start with Uni. They are the number one pizza oven company in the world with the best community there is. Because of their ovens, I have made some of the most amazing pizzas. From round pies to squares, I'm able to get to temperatures of up to 900 degrees, allowing me to cook the pizzas of my dreams. If you're looking to grow your pizza business, buying an uni makes sense. My past guest Ryan of Sanctuary Pizza has a mobile catering company powered by uni. These powerful ovens are efficient, lightweight, and can be used almost anywhere. Whether you take pizza seriously like me or want to run a pizza operation like Ryan, Uni is the choice for you. Use the link in the show notes and join the Uni community. My second show sponsor is Cordo Olive Oil. At first, I didn't believe that olive oil mattered. It wasn't until I got educated and learned about the difference between commodity oil and Cordo's fresh squeezed olive oil that I ditched the supermarket stuff. Today, I only use Cordo Olive Oil when it comes to making my dough and even doing a post-baked drizzle. Mm. I have even made some amazing pesto with it. Oh my goodness. Cordo's high quality olive oil does really elevate anything it touches. My buddy Chris, who runs a slice of New Jersey, just switched over to Cordo. Not only is he getting quality, but he ended up saving money by switching over too. If you're still unsure of the difference, pizza operators can sign up for a free olive oil tasting. Use the link in the show notes to learn more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my show sponsors and supporting this show. When I first started the ghost kitchen, I was doing it all by myself, which was crazy. Now that I look back on it, bring them out to the car while the pizzas are still cooking in this oven. That was Robert Molesi of Millie's Pizza in the Pan. And it's your boy, I Drift, and you're listening to the What's Good Dough podcast. Whether it's pizza, business, or life, my guests and I are always talking about ways we can level up. From what I've gathered, Robert is doing something right. When your pizzeria is getting mentions from famous people all over the city like Steve Delinsky and Louisa Chu, you got something going for you. Robert started out of his home and then quickly moved over to a ghost kitchen. He kept things lean, made a fantastic product, and then moved himself over to a brick and mortar relatively fast, all things considered. This is an amazing one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, dough? What's up, everybody? I'm with Robert Molesky of Millie's Pizza in the Pan, all the way here in Chicago. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Excellent, man. Thank you for coming here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. There's actually this one question that I always ask to start the show, and there's no right or wrong answer. What's good, dough? What's good, dough? I mean, I'm, everything's going good for me. I just opened a brick and mortar about five months ago. It's going really well. We're selling out every day, and I, on a personal level, I just got engaged about a month ago, and on vacation in Peru and asked my girlfriend of about six years. So things are going really good for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's good, though. I feel like we always get into pizza 
like really quickly into this show but like let's just take a moment to celebrate that oh for sure yeah without her i wouldn't be where i'm at right now so gosh you know, she's like the, my rock and always supporting me and without her pushing me to to go for my dreams you know i wouldn't probably wouldn't have taken that chance and opened my own pizzeria so yeah shout out to the pizza partners for sure i can't just say shout out to the pizza uh wives because there are like women in pizza who have the support of husband too who's making stuff happen oh yeah for sure yeah yeah she's behind the scenes you don't really you don't hear about it you don't see about it but it's you know you need that support system in order to be successful so for sure yeah cool so how did you get started in pizza yeah i mean i really didn't know much about pizza back in 2020 i started kind of getting into it and we decided that we wanted to try and find the best pizza in chicago quote unquote. so we started going to a bunch of different like having a date night and going to a bunch of different spots and one of them happened to be Bert's place which i had never even heard of up to that point and we went there and then i had tried that pizza he does a caramelized crust pizza and it blew my mind so i was like wow i've never had a pizza like this before i was and i was like i'm determined to try to learn how to make this pizza so i started dedicating myself at, at my house i started making dough every single night i'd get home i was a server for 16 years so i'd be coming home practicing making dough making sauce and i did that for close to a year trying to perfect the recipe and i started serving it to neighbors and they really liked it and then family members and they really liked it and then i sold my house i was living out in the suburbs of chicago sold my house and I, we moved to the city in rogers park and then i started selling them asking people hey does anyone want pizza on facebook anyone want to try and people were messaging me yeah can i get one so i started selling them out of my apartment wow. cooking them in the home oven which was crazy because the oven doesn't get really hot and it like it's kind of an older apartment and it smokes really bad so oh. kept setting off the fire alarm all the time <laughs> which is pretty funny but then uh you know i was still serving and then they sent us home on march 17th for the pandemic mm. you know they i uh, think there was only three of us working that day and they said yeah we're gonna close for a couple of weeks you know after today and yeah, I thought it was going to be a two-week thing, and then it started turning into a couple of months, and then I, the wheels started turning in my head. Well, you know, maybe this is my chance to try and do something else. So I started. I actually found a place in Evanston, Illinois, which is another suburb of Chicago, really close to Rogers Park. And, uh, you know, I was trying to talk to the landlord. I was going to sign the lease. I was meeting with contractors. I was meeting with architects. You know, and I tried to get the loan. We had all the numbers, and I thought this would be easy to get a loan. I think they wanted like $75,000, but I didn't have that money, obviously, and tried to get a loan, and it was almost next to impossible. Yeah. I think the only bank that offered me was $3,000. So so I started looking into what else can I do, and then I saw the ghost kitchen idea and found one in Logan Square, talked to the kitchen manager. His name's Jason Whitner. I met with him. He had a space available. I said, hey, I want to do this like full time. Mm. And, you know, he had a convection oven. That's all he really had. So I had to kind of practice. He let me practice on that until I kind of had something that I was happy with. And then I started doing the ghost kitchen August 12th, 2020. Yeah. The funniest thing happened to me the other day. 
I was, you know, getting ready to meet a grande rep. And I wanted to make him a pan pie. And usually I cook him in the in the uni, but I just found out how to use the convection setting in my home uh, oven. And I was amazed at the crispy texture that I was able to get, right? Because I like to use the air fryer. And I was like, this is basically my convection oven. And so I could really get that crispy texture. And when I used the convection oven, um, I accidentally like used a pan that was a little too oily. Okay. And just smoke was everywhere (laughs) in the house. And as soon as I opened the door for the grande guy, just poof, it looked like I was all boxing my my house. That's crazy. (laughs) That's hilarious. Talk to me about the convection oven. Like, why did you? Well, I mean, that was totally out of necessity. My, My initial plan was I didn't really know anything about this industry. So I was going to bring my own oven, a pizza oven, a traditional deck oven. You know, that's what most people cook on. But, you know, I was, most ghost kitchens, you can bring your own equipment. It's just an empty shell, but he didn't have that. It's kind of old school. So all I had was a convection oven. So I was like, well, either I'm going to do this or not go with this. So I, I practiced on the convection oven, and it actually turned out pretty well, and people liked it. So that was more necessity than anything, you know. Well, so I kind of stuck with it when I went to the brick and mortar. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like the reality is if you're just starting off and you don't have all the resources yeah. in the world, it's like you got to use what's available to you. Exactly. What are some of the settings that you're using for the convection uh, so I, at the ghost kitchen? I was using, I cook it at 450 uh-huh. and then I put it on low, the fan on low. Okay. That's pretty much it. Yeah. How I don't really time. Oh. I don't keep a timer for what are you looking kind of just do it by eye. It's like an edge. <laughs> You know, I always keep an edge around there, and it kind of starts to turn from white brown to like yellowish, and that's kind of when I know. I don't know. I've just been doing it so long that I can kind of tell when it's when it's done. When it's done, yeah. Okay. I don't keep a timer because you know I have like different orders in there at a time, so constantly mm-hmm. putting pizzas in and out, yeah. so they're all cooking it. You Smart. know, yeah. So, so when I worked at a pizzeria, um, we would set a timer for like eight minutes, eight minutes for each pizza, and it was like the hardest thing ever to like, sometimes we weren't even using the timers. It was like such an inefficient system. And I feel like that's why it makes so much sense to know your dough, know the touch of it, know the look of it that you're going for and, and really rely on all of your senses. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't measure anything. I mean, with the dough, I measure the water and the flour, but everything else, I, I don't measure the time that I mix it. I don't, measure the salt i don't measure the oil you know it's just all by my eye i can kind of tell and the way that it feels i can kind of tell when it's mixed 100 so what's your what's what's your background uh yeah i uh i started making pizza in about 2018 at a pizzeria because i was like oh i think it would be great to own a pizzeria one day yeah and i was like okay let me work this job all while, you know, working my full-time job, and it was rough. I ended up quitting that job and started making pizza at home. Wow. And then from there, this is a very shortened version, but I started the podcast because I want to learn more about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, and, and now we're here talking. Nice, nice. <laughs> Learning as much as I can and, and sharing it with others. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the ghost kitchen because, yeah. um, you know, part of this podcast is really to learn about different ways to pursue pizza. And I think the ghost kitchen was a great sort of, it, it wasn't new to, it, 
it like took flight in the pandemic, right? For was, sure, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it was, I think that was the perfect time to start a ghost kitchen mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone was at home and all you can do is order delivery or pickup. So, I mean, everyone was ordering delivery or pickup. So it was pretty much the perfect way to see if your product was viable in the market. Yeah. You know, so yeah, perfect timing and it, it took off. I mean, it started off a little slow, but... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things happened along the way, even right at the beginning that kind of launched it. You know, Louisa Chu, I don't know if you know, she's a Chicago Tribune writer. She just got nominated for a James Beard Award for writing. She came right off the bat and tried my pizza, and, and she has a podcast as well, and she talked about it on there. She put it in the Tribune. And actually, she gave me, uh, I was awarded, the Chicago Tribune gave me the Best Pandemic Pivot Award, which was amazing for me. That took off. Steve Delinsky was doing Pizza Fest, came my very first day that I opened, which was not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that was That's like pressure. a ton of pressure. And, and I don't, to be honest, didn't go that well because, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. So the pizza could have been a lot better than it was, but. Has he come back he was ever still, since? Yeah, he's, he's come a couple of times. Oh, actually, that's good. So, yeah. yeah. I, I've actually heard him mention you either in a podcast or somewhere. So I feel like you yeah. left. Well, he put me in his book. Oh, the, there it is. The one that he just put out. So, okay. yeah, it was really it was okay. a great guy. Cool. Yeah. Then, then, then you're doing something right. Um, but, like, just to talk uh, more about the logistics of the ghost kitchen, like, yeah. I guess what – what was it like operating in there and do you think it still makes sense for people today for sure i think you know definitely it's a great way to start because my startup cost was so low like how low three i think i spent three thousand dollars to get started altogether. what did that three thousand dollars i had to? to buy the pans which were quite expensive i used lloyd pans yeah you know a cheese slicer oh uh, you know, i was gonna ask you yeah that, how you containers got yeah yeah okay you know you know, containers, ladles, things, just every little thing, scale, you know, I think it all added up to around $3,000. What about rent? The rent, it was an hourly type of deal. So I think it was, I think it was 22 an hour. So you're kind of going right when you walk in the door, you're kind of, you're, you're at full blast because you're paying per hour. So, you know, you got to start getting the prep. It's not super chill all the time. So you're trying to trying to your margins are so thin that you're trying to cut down as much time as you can on the the expenses of being in the ghost kitchen so you're kind of rushing and doing things as quickly as you can so what what so. was your daily like are you coming there in the morning and prepping everything out um do you do any prep work so i mean what well, the morning was is that you know in the morning i would go do my shopping i shop every day because I didn't have a lot of storage, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to shop every day because you don't have a place to store it all. So I'd go shopping. I would get there at around 1 o'clock, start putting the dough in the pans because you have to let it rise for a few hours and then do that and then make the sauce, slice the cheese, and then cut the vegetables, and then you're starting at around 4 o'clock making pizzas. Do you have a commissary outside of that, uh, or is it just whatever's there is what you use? Pretty much whatever's there. I mean, he just had a 10-foot hood, and it had a convection oven, a stove, and then another style of convection oven, which I couldn't use because it was too small, so the pans couldn't fit in there. So that was that was really simple. 
Where were you making your dough, though? Oh, he had mixers, you know. Oh, he had a couple okay. of mixers in there, so. So you'd make your dough. Yeah, I make my dough. I cold ferment it. I have the dough tins that I stack. Okay, so you yeah. were able to stow your, door, your dough there. Yeah, and yeah, And for yeah. the most part, everything else you were prepping the day of. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, and I still do that to this day. Mm, so, yeah. Okay. I, I still make a limited amount. I was making a limited amount there. I still make a limited amount. It's still only me and someone that helps me out. So I'm making like 40 to 45 pizzas a day. How many were you making at the ghost kitchen? <laughs> when I first started, I was ecstatic to do like 10. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got up to like 30, 35. But it was just proving to be a, a little too difficult with, you are sharing a space a lot of times with other restaurants while you're in service. So you're kind of limited. Right. You know, right. especially if they need to use the oven, and sometimes it got, yeah. Oh. Sometimes you're just using the top. It was a double stack. So sometimes you're just using the top one, and oh, other gosh. people are using the bottom one, and it's just, and you're sharing a stove, and you're, you're literally shoulder to shoulder, uh -huh. you know, with another kitchen, so. Yeah. Well, like you said, it, it's really just testing out the minimal the minimum viable product. Yeah. It's like, is there a demand for this? Can I do this? Can I build the courage to do this at a larger scale? Yeah. And, I mean, I wanted to go to Logan Square because there's a lot of competition there and a really good pizzerias. That's, there's a lot in that little area. So I knew I had something when, you know, it was selling. You're competing, and people yeah. were saying positive things about it. So Okay. Yeah. So after you tested everything out, you're like, I grew out of this. Then you start, you know pursuing the brick and mortar yeah how did you kind of walk me through can you walk me through that like how did you finally make the decision and then how did you get the funding kind of walk us through the yeah i mean i was doing pretty well at the ghost kitchen so i was saving money setting it aside and then pretty early on i think in the first four or five months i was starting to look for spaces and i was found one in uptown chicago which is fairly close to where i'm living now like 10 minutes away and it was a shared street it's the only shared street in chicago which means there's no like sidewalks with um like curbs mm. so it's all brick it's all like one level you know, pedestrians have the right of way everywhere it was really nice and it was an old diner and that's the one i really wanted but they were dragging their feet i don't know why but the landlord didn't want to sign the lease i don't know what the deal was so I started looking at other spaces because it was taking so long, but something was telling me I just wanted to stick with this one. I had other opportunities, and it took them five months to finally sign the lease, which I was ecstatic about. But all the while, I'm still working at the ghost kitchen every day, full time, still grinding it out every day. And then they finally signed the lease, and then they took them another like five months to six months to turn it into a white box. So. What's you know, a white that box? whole time a white box just means they gut it and then you know they put in flooring and then they put up just drywall and a bathroom and that's pretty much it okay so so they, they basically did that a shell you. a shell of a all right of a retail of a place yeah. okay and then you put in everything else pretty much yeah yeah so like so i was working all the while at the ghost kitchen and then finally when we we got our hands on it i think it took us like three to four weeks really <laughs> yeah that's quite <laughs> pretty much yeah it's a really small shop oh, it's only okay. 800 square feet total so with like half of it being kitchen and right 
Yeah, I only have four booths that oh, yeah, seat boots, at least four of them, and then yeah, I have People some counter counter seating as well. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always hear from people like don't do a build out on your first restaurant, but this is technically not your first venture. You're kind of upgrading, but like, is there any other like warnings that people should take while considering a build out? Yeah. I mean the permitting process and everything that takes quite a while, but you did it in like three to four weeks though. Well, ish the construction, like getting, you know, the, the, it's a separate license and Uh, all that. I was doing that the whole time. They were like turning it into a white box, I guess. So when we finally had our opportunity to get around, it already had a hood and everything. So Mm. that's a huge deal, Mm. especially in Chicago. If you don't have a hood in there, you have to like hire an architect. That's got to run it through the building. It's a big building. So, yeah. And so you're just, and you just put a convection oven inside. Yeah. I mean, I put the 10 foot hood in and then I, yeah, I put put a convection. Technically, I don't even know if you need a hood for a convection oven in Chicago, but I wanted to be on the safe side. So. Yeah, I put one in there. What does a convection oven look like? Is it like, uh, is it like a kitchen Kenmore one, or <laughs> how's it looking over there? No, nah, it's like a it's a double stack. You know, uh, I, I don't know. It's like four feet wide, maybe five feet wide. How many pizzas can fit yeah, in that one time? Probably six big pans. What's big like? Like fourteen inch. That's what I'm doing. Fourteen by two. Fourteen by two. Yeah. And they're circles. Yeah, circle pans, yeah. Okay, those are big. So if I wanted to, I could do six of those, at three up top and three on the bottom. If I wanted to do the 11-inch, I do 11-inch ones. There, I could fit, like, what, 12? Yeah. Wow. So. Out of curiosity, back when you were working at the ghost kitchen, did you ever try to cook, did you ever try to, like, stack pans on top of each other, like a triangle to cook more than <laughs> no. one pizza? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I would like put two pans because I have the nine-inch round Lloyd pans. I got a stack of them from eBay. I got twelve of them, and like you know, sometimes I just want to heat up one oven because I have like a I have a broiler and then I have a regular oven. And sometimes I just want to heat up the broiler because it heats up faster and it uses less energy. And so what I would do sometimes is I would put one here, put another one next to it, and then kind of put them close together and then put another one in the middle on top. Like a triangle? Like a triangle. That's and I, I, it didn't work too well, but I'm, because it didn't have the convection setting. But now I'm wondering if I put it at the bottom of it and use the convection setting, if it would work. I mean, I always get people coming in that are upset because we have to turn them away because we are sold out. And they're like, why don't you just put more pizzas in the oven? <laughs> like, and I always think about, what do you want me to, like, stack them on top of each other? <laughs> like, I just can't imagine. I don't know. I'd be curious it. to see if it would even work. But, yeah, yeah. that when you're slower. Just try practicing. To, yeah. Okay. That's hilarious. Um, so how did you get the funding then? Because you said that you weren't getting loans. Did you just save everything up and not yeah. use? Yeah, I bought used, all used. Yeah, I just paid cash. I'm about all used equipment. The convection oven I have is like 12 years old. I got it from a bakery. Uh, you know, paid my contractor to haul it out of there. Uh, the hood was new, I will say that. But, I mean, it's just well, simple. It's not, it doesn't have the ancillary system, which is the fire suppression system, so that makes it a lot less expensive. I bought the grease trap used. Everything was used equipment. Mixer was used. The fridge was used, so... Yeah, and the tables are new, but the booths I have are from Indiana, from an old restaurant that I drove there in a U-Haul and picked those up. 
Yeah, everything's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kept it really lean. Really lean. Yeah. Still lean. Still lean. Yeah. yeah. Just one person. But I did just buy another uh, double stack convection oven, so it needs to be worked on. But we're gonna hook that up, and then hopefully, I'm gonna hire someone, and we'll start making more pizzas. Wow. Yeah. Talk to me about the pizza then. Like, uh, how did you? I don't know. I feel like it's uh, just based off what I've seen on Instagram and the way you're talking about your progression. It seems like people really love it. Yeah. What What do you attribute to that love? Well, I mean, I put a lot of effort into it. I spent a year trying to perfect the recipe. But to be honest, I think it's the ingredients that I use there. I mean, I try to use the best quality ingredients that I can get my hands on and I think if you use quality ingredients, the product will speak for itself. So, talk to me try, about the ingredients. Yeah, I'm use. I've always used King Arthur flour, so I Which was one? able to. I use a special patent. It's called. So I was able to find a distributor in Chicago that just sells flour, so I can buy it in massive bulk. Uh, I was. I've switched tomatoes a couple different times, but I've been using Stanislaus for quite some time. I. I didn't think, like, when I first started, I was buying these small cans at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, like, the brand Muti, do you know what the, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was like, I have to use this, I have to use this brand, uh-huh. you know, but when I tried Stanislaus, I'm like, wow, this, I think this is even better. Yeah, I love and it. The cost is so much less. I'm like, yes. all right. Okay. Sorry, using that Galbani cheese is what I use. Okay. I've always used that. And that was kind of like, when milk. I was practicing at home. You know, I'd shop at Mariano's, which is a local grocery chain around here. And that's, like, the best cheese that they offered. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'll just try that. And I kind of learned with that. Every time I use a different cheese, it, I don't know, it just reacts differently. Yeah, so of course. I like the Galbani. So. Okay. And just the, the basic whole milk Galbani or, like, is there? Part a, skim. Part skim. Yeah. I try whole milk, but it gets a little too greasy. I yeah. don't know. More fat. Yeah, more fat. So. Okay. And then what else? Uh, what other ingredients? Well, I get the Edzos uh, pepperoni, EZZO, okay. which is cup and char, really good quality. It's got a lot of kick to it. Yeah. And then the other ingredients I just buy fresh like every day, like my, my mini peppers, Calabrian chilies, uh, Pepidou peppers. I use Castrellano's olives. So, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then tell me more about like how you build the pie. So I'll put the dough in the pans. That's like the first thing I do every day I go in. Well, it really depends on the weather. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I won't put it in right for about hot. two hours before because it's so hot and humid right. out. But usually I'll put the dough in the pans and I'll let that rise in the pans. And then I will make my sauce. That's the next thing I do because I want it to infuse. Let's stick with the dough real quickly. Yeah. Um, how many uh, grams or ounces is that dough well? So for 14, I use like over 20.5. 20.5 ounces? Yeah, 20.5. Okay, and so you let it kind of sit, and then um, after you do Literally, I take it out of the fridge because I, I cold ferment it. So I'll take the dough tins out of the fridge, and then I'll literally put it right in the pans, and I'll stretch it out to the edges. And I don't like let it sit in there and warm up. So okay. I'll just stack it like that, and I'll just keep stacking them. Okay. And do you have a do you have a lid to stack? 
Yeah, know? there's okay. like a, a cover no. I put on each okay. pan, and I just stack them. Okay, because the pans nest. For yeah. anyone listening, it's 581 grams for the uh, for the dough ball for a 14 inch. Yeah. Do you do a different size? I do. I do the uh, 10 inch ones. 10 inch. Yeah. So how so many? that's like a 14. 14 ounce. 14 ounce, which yeah. is 396 grams. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you press it out, and then you make your sauce. What's so special about the sauce? I imagine there's something special it's about it. Not really. No? To be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Should I be giving all my secrets away? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, John Arena says, like, you know, you can give any pizza maker your recipe. Yeah, so I use the Stanislaus, the tomato magic, just the straight up. And then it's literally salt. I don't measure any of this. Salt, uh, red taste. pepper flakes, garlic powder, and uh, oregano. That's right. it. That's it. You don't have Simple. to tell us how much, but, like, cool. That's it. Um, that's all I do. I believe in a uh, very basic sauce. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll just get the Alta Cucinas and squeeze them and then put them on the pizza. I don't yeah. even put salt. And I think a lot of people like over. Do it. Season. Yeah. You know? I think I so. kind of put a. I don't think I use a lot of seasoning in mine because I, I let it infuse, you know. Yeah. And I constantly mix it too. To do you cook your sauce? No. Not at all. Only yeah. when put it in raw and then when it's cooking in the oven when the pizza cooks. Same. Yeah. Okay. And then the So sweet. the thing I do differently about my pizzas though is most people they will cheese up the the pizza. I don't know if you've ever made a pan style with caramelized crust, but you have to like line the edges with uh, slices of cheese. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. And then I will add the sauce on there. But most people will put the toppings on and then put it in the oven. I don't do that. I always, Every pizza I do, unless it's sausage, I will start out as a cheese pizza and I'll put that in the oven. Unless it has sausage on there and then I'll pull it out after like five minutes. Because I feel like when I first started, I was putting the toppings on right away. It just charred yeah, the vegetables. Yeah, I've seen that. I've done yeah. that. <laughs> so after like five minutes, I will pull. They're all cheese pizzas. I'll let the dough rise, the, the cheese sets oh. a little on the sides, and then I'll pull it out and I'll put the toppings on, put it back in there. What's your total bake time then? Uh, 19 Ish. minutes. 19 minutes. Yeah. So you do, if how, I were. how would you split it then? Like, I mean, I'm probably after like five minutes, I'm pulling it out, maybe even four or five minutes, and then putting the peppers on or whatever they ordered. Okay. And if it is pepperoni, I'll probably pull it out again and put the pepperoni on with like two or three minutes to go. Have you tried uh, just baking a bunch of cheese pizzas? Like par-baking? Par-baking, nah. no. No, I never have. No, okay. Because I do see a lot of pizzerias that I've like just been to, they like, you know, pre-top everything. Just as like a prep, you know, for before yeah. the rush. Yeah. I mean, you're, there's only one. See, when I notice when I, if I were to pull it out and even if I let it sit on there for like five minutes, it will shrink a little. Yeah. So the the caramelized cheese, the the frico crust the crust. isn't as good. So okay, yeah. yeah. There's no point in rushing a system if it's going to deteriorate the product yeah. for sure. But that's just, that's the whole issue with the thing is why I'm making a limited amount. It's it's I don't know. It's, it's I just wanted to yeah I want them to them to be the best that they can. So no yeah absolutely and and if that means making forty ish a day or doubling yeah. it up with eighty later down the line then that's cool yeah. Okay, 19-minute bake time, about five minutes pre-bake, then you top, so about 12, 13, 14 minutes, and pizza's ready to go. And then when it comes out, I'll put some herbs over the top and 
usually finish it with either ricotta or fresh mozzarella. What's your best seller? Probably it's called the Untitled Number One. It's pepperoni with jalapenos and ricotta. I wanted to dig yeah. a little bit deeper into your menu title or your name, the names of your pizzas. Yeah, they're they're unique. Yeah, How? I mean they're mostly songs from bands that I really liked. I was uh, really into the music scene growing up. Bands that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, because I thought I was so cool. I haven't heard of. Them. I know bands that are <laughs> no one's heard of. You know, I used to have a lot of vinyl and okay, you know. But yeah, some of them are named after songs that the bands released. The Updog is from What We Do in the Shadows. There's uh, Colin Robinson. He's one of the vampires. I don't know if you've ever seen the show. Mm -mm. But there's a whole episode where he keeps trying to get everyone to say, What's up, dog? <laughs> <laughs> you just go up to Updog and then you just want, What's, What's up, up, dog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's unique. Yeah, I'm like really into music and also art and things like that. So, oh, yeah, the artist in you. Okay, so yeah. tell me more about how that plays an in, uh, influence. I've just always been like kind of creative and into that side. I'm not like the math science guy. I'm more of the creative guy. So I rode BMX a lot when I was in my early 20s, like, and did photography a lot, and that kind of. Helped me out for the taking photos of my pizza and everything. Yeah. Just always been into art. I like going to museums and, you know, I love creative people. Great. Surrounding myself with creative people. It's, yeah. Yeah. All right. And so the person that you that you hired, what, uh, were they a creative? How did you, like, decide uh, to hire them? Well, they worked them? at a mutual friend's pizzeria. Oh, okay. They had some experience. But, yeah, they do, like box up the pizzas help me with dishes help me with cleaning talking to guests answering the phones kind of all around doing a lot of things that without her i wouldn't be able to do i couldn't do the amount because yeah. i for a long time when i first started the ghost kitchen i was doing it all by myself which was crazy now that i look back on it but yeah i was making the pizzas and i'd run and we had really long kitchen they had to like go down this hallway Bring them out to the car while the pizzas are still cooking in this oven. Then I have to run oh, back <laughs> and check on those. <laughs> I had to box them up. Then, you know, at the end of the night, you're doing all the dishes. Oh, you're, I've been there. You know, cleaning this kitchen. It's, yeah. uh, it's, I've not been at a ghost kitchen, but I've been where it's like, you know, you do all the prep. You start in the morning. You make the pizza. You give it away. And then you do the dishes. And you're just yeah. like, damn, it's a long day. Yeah. And then, like, when you're doing the dishes, it, like, hits you, like, how tired you are. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, my back hurts. Oh, my gosh. Like I literally felt that, like, just a couple of weeks ago. I was like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. I'm tired. I wish I had someone else helping me. And, like, you have to do a good job on those pans, like, washing them. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to affect the next time you use them. So right. it's like, oh, man. Um, Sometimes you just want to, like, get it done real quick. It's like, I just want to be done with this. For the ghost yeah. kitchen, are you uh, were you doing cus uh, giving them to customers or delivery drivers? Both. Both. Both, yeah. So, so I imagine. Yeah, he was kind people. enough. The man, he usually doesn't let people. We, we use a third-party system, DoorDash. Uh -huh. So door, it would always be a DoorDash driver that would come. They text you. Yeah. I had this like makeshift sign outside in the parking lot that said, "Text me when mm -hmm. you arrive. I'll bring your pizza out to you." Yeah, because it was contactless at the time and right. COVID was happening. So, 
Yeah. yeah. No, well, like it would stress me out because I imagine if it wasn't a delivery driver or DoorDash person, uh, then it would be someone who'd want to just chat and talk and ask yeah, about the pizza. And I get that a lot too. Gosh. And then you kind of seem like a jerk because you're got to cut them off. I got a pizza. I, I got oven. like three pizzas in the <laughs> oven. Like I gotta go. Oh, like, I'm gosh. sorry. I'm like I can't talk. You know. Or you have old friends coming all the way from the suburbs trying to pick up your pizza and you can't really talk to them. And you, oh, I came all the way here, man. Like, sorry, <laughs> I got to go. I got to go cook. That's that's real. Yeah, yeah. Dude. So when I hired that girl, it's made such a difference because I was like 20, 25. I think the most I ever did by myself was like 24. So having that person, it's like, making 20 more a day that's wow. massive so when the second oven gets uh installed you're gonna hire another person yeah one yeah, or two i need someone just one i'm you know i'm yeah i haven't taken that leap i don't know why i'm still holding off because it's, i've never no one's ever made one of my pizzas it's always been me so to kind of show someone how to do it i don't know i feel like they're not gonna care as much so and there's so many steps along the way that you have to do in order for it to come out right, that it's it's kind of scary, I guess. I can see it. I've never, like, been in that position where I have to teach someone to make my pizza. Cause I feel like I still don't have my own style yet, but, like... So what kind of pizzas are you making right now? Honestly, my favorites are Sicilian, but for the pop-up that I'm going to run in, first Pizza Yoli pop-up, it's a charity event that I'm doing with Slice Out Hunger. Oh, nice. I'm going to do uh, round Neo-Neapolitans, because... Uh, I want to be able to give out as many pizzas as I can. And I'm going more for, I'm not saying qu quantity is more important than quality, but in order for me to put out the quantity of quality that I want to give out, it'd have to be rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so what kind of oven are you going to be using? I'm going to be using my unis. Unis. Okay. Yeah. I have two unis and, uh, just going to be running it on gas. Um, I'll make one bake one and then while i'm having the other one recharge i'll use the other and just keep alternating so your end goal is it to st you still have that dream alive of the pizzeria i've been going back and forth yeah um talking to operators like you talking to operators like derek tongue yesterday and brian spangler and just like you know you all go through so much and i feel like i'm not in a place in my life to be able to do that right now yeah so like later down in the later down the line I could see myself opening up a pizzeria, but in the immediate future, no. Okay. Yeah. I love it though. I yeah. love, I love pizza. I love the culture. I admire what you all do. I just don't think that I can take on much more right now. Yeah. Personally. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm 42 years old now and I didn't start till I was like 40. So beautiful. You know, I felt like I needed that. I didn't really mature to that level yet until I was like 40 where I was like, okay, I think I can take on this responsibility. I think if I would have done it when I was younger, I don't think I would have succeeded. So you kind of gain knowledge and learn things along the way. And, you know, it also takes a lot of luck too. But, yeah. if you, if, I would recommend, always recommend to everyone that you just go after what you really want because – you know, you think, oh, this may not work, but if you make a good product, people are going to buy it. That's all I can say. Everyone was like, when I first started, was like, what, what's going to be your business plan? What's your business plan? I'm like, I don't have one. 
I said, the, the only thing I'm going to focus all my energy on is making the best pizza I possibly can. Because if you make a really good product, people are going to buy that product. So, and it worked. So that's what I recommend. That was beautifully said. Yeah. You know, I think the reality is for, for me at least, and for maybe others listening to this podcast, I talk to a lot of guests like you who say pursue their dreams, uh, pursue your dreams and go for it, right? But also I love how in this conversation right now that we're having is that you yourself saying, if I had started this earlier, it may not have worked out. Yeah. Right? So it's like, so what is the message? Is it like, be patient? Is it, but go for it? Or is it go for it and then it'll work out? Like, do you, what is, uh, what should people take away? Because I feel like what you just said are both good takeaways. Yeah, I mean... I would just focus on the product. I mean, that's my the biggest thing that I did that made me successful. And I did get a couple of really good breaks. I've been super fortunate. To be honest with you, I'm not a good pizza maker. <laughs> like, if you were to ask me to make any other style of pizza, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I could not do it. Like, I solely focused on this one style of pizza. Oh, God. That's it. Like, if you ask me to toss a New York-style dough in the air and stretch it out, mm. I can't do it. I don't even know how to make the dough for a New York-style pizza or a Neapolitan or any of that. I love so that. So I just completely focused on this one style of pizza. Oh, gosh. There's so, so many, like, things that I could pull from right now. It's like, I'm reading this. I just finished this book called Deep Work, and it's really about focus and being able to actually i'm rereading it for the second time it's about focus and really being able to get good at something that's really hard and that will you know propel you forward and yeah. like for you to be not tempted by other styles yeah is so key i've been tempted and i made a commitment to myself to only focus on pan pies at the beginning of the year and i've already broken it um, gosh, it's making me rethink of. Well, I mean, I wish I had the skill. <laughs> no, what I mean. are you talking about? I wish I, mean, I had I'm yours. sure if I, you know, focused on it, I could do it. But you know, it's kind of hard with the ovens I have. I don't. They have grates. You know, I can't really cook a New York unless I get a stone or a yeah. steel. Well, you know, but I mean, I also think it's important. You know, it kind of makes it special. Absolutely. When you just have one style of pizza and you try to do it the best that you can. Yeah. You know? And that's all it is. I just do the best that I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I try not to overthink things. I think well, a lot of people overthink things like, uh, you know, and I, I try not to do that. Yeah. It's it's one of my problems. I, yeah. I love to overthink things. Yeah. Yeah. How do I've you... always been like kind of a risk taker. So. Oh, tell me yeah. more about that. Well, I mean, I past life, you know, trading commodities. I did that. For a full-time job Did which you? didn't work out <laughs> see that's like one thing like i learned a lot of lessons from that like what like well i mean i was i worked at a commodities trading firm i was a manager there and i you know i would always practice day trading while i was at work like i could do this i could definitely do this so i like you you can't you can't work somewhere and trade commodities because it's a conflict of interest you actually get in trouble with the law so I'm like, I'm going to quit this job, and I'm going to go for this full-time. I could easily do this. I'm going to make tons of money. So I got all the whole giant setup in my apartment, you know, multiple screens, the best technology. And I, I mean, it took like a year, but I lost everything. I lost all my money. It just humbles you, and it was so stressful, and I just wasn't prepared. 
So, you know, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Important. And I mean, I, one of my questions at the end of the show is like, what's one mistake for people to avoid? And I think like as a caveat to that question moving forward, it's like, it's okay to make these mistakes. For sure. I think you learn a lot more from your mistakes than you do your victories, you know? Yeah. For and, sure. Yeah. And you learn these mistakes and it, it ingrains in your soul when you make them yourselves. Exactly. And when you make it yourself, right? Um, it's like, But it's always helpful to hear. So I'll give you an example. Like my very first day at the Ghost Kitchen, uh-huh. Steve Delinsky came. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't like, I put the dough in the pans. I think I let it rise for maybe 15 minutes in the pan. Like now I do it for like three hours. So I was like, had no like volume to it. <laughs> and it was like a thin crust. And I was like trying to serve them like a tavern style oh. with the Frico crust. <laughs> it turned out <laughs> terrible. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I just had no, you know, and I, and we talked about it. And like, I learned so much from that, you know, that failure. When people leave a negative review, you know, you always, I always look at that. I look at that as a learning opportunity. Like, what can I do to like change to possibly make this better? You know, I always try to take a negative and like turn it into a positive. That's the one thing I always try to do. Great answer. Yeah. <clears throat> Before I ask you my last question, like just to go back to the Steve Delinsky story, like hmm, what would you have done differently? Would you have not marketed your ghost kitchen opening day or would you have, obviously you would have let the pizza rise a little bit more. But I'm just wondering, like... I mean, even the sauce. I think I <laughs> seasoned it, like, 20 minutes before he came, so it had no time flavor. to infuse. Yeah. Okay. So it didn't have a lot of flavor. I mean, I just learned so much from that one pizza. It was, right. And I still learn. Pizza humbles you, like, oh, yeah. you would not believe. One minute, you're like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Oh. And then the next day, it's a disaster. Oh, that happens. It's humid. It's hot. The dough's exploding. It's like... Like what's going on? You know, the cheese isn't cut properly. It's too thin, and it's just insane how much you learn. It's like pizza is like a life lesson almost. It's crazy. It absolutely is. Yeah. It's a constant thing that happens to me on repeat. It's like I think I got yeah, it. Yeah, one day is like phenomenal, and the next day is like disaster. Okay, you but know? like going back though, like opening day of that ghost kitchen you're clearly making that jump up from home baker yeah to i made Aubrey. nine pizzas so Sold would you nine pizzas i was stoked <laughs> <laughs> for my very first day i was like nine i was and one of them was steve delinsky wow yeah i mean i reached out to him before saying hey do you mind oh so you brought yeah, it oh, on yeah, to yourself yeah, yeah. okay i so brought it on to myself yeah. okay and the, so did you uh did you talk to him at the restaurant while you were, you noticed it wasn't coming down the right way, or did you? Well, actually, out that was the one day my girlfriend worked with me, uh-huh. my fian- now fiance. Uh-huh. Yeah, so she ran it out to him because I was like, I don't totally not. I just want to make sure you're there in case something happens. Yeah. And yeah, it was. That's why she'll never work with me again. That day <laughs> was the worst. <laughs> she. She, she, I stressed her out, like, even not believe, because I was so frantic, and, yeah. You just got to go through that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to go through it eventually. You just learn. Yeah. Keep learning. Love it. The days like that, yeah. Okay. Robert, you've been gracious with your time. Um, I want to ask you, uh, what do you want to leave the audience with today? Just that. 
you know, I would recommend if you are thinking about getting in this industry that you, you know, take your time. I would definitely take time to perfect your recipe and, and maybe test it out in the market with friends, family. And I do think the ghost kitchen is a great route to go. If you're thinking about getting into this industry, it's a good way to test your market. And the, the positive thing is you don't have a lease. You don't have anything like that. So if it's not working out, you can just back out and, and maybe pursue other things or, you know, keep going. And then hopefully it keeps growing and building. And just I, I would recommend following your dreams. If it's something you're passionate about, people can see that, you know. People see when you're passionate about something and that you love doing something. So I guess that's my takeaway. Beautifully said, Robert. Thank you Thank so, you. so much for Thank being on the show. Thank you so much. Robert, thank you so, so much for being on the show. I was really inspired by the business you've been able to create. I really look forward to trying your pizza someday, and I can't wait to see your pizza journey continue. To you, the listener, gosh darn it, before I tell you to go follow Robert of Millie's Pizza in the Pan, let me know, what did you think of the episode? Did you like the in-person interview? I kind of like them. I don't know about you. If you, li- if you didn't listen to the one with Billy Z last week, that too was also in person. So let me know your thoughts about just the sound quality, the flow, etc., etc. You can let me know on Instagram at What's Good Dough or email me, idrif at What's Now, make sure to follow my boy Robert at Billy's Beats in the Pan. Link will be in the show notes. Also, don't forget, make pizza for pizza while they pop up raise money for food insecurity through pizza. Other than that, I appreciate you. I love you. Till next time. Peace.